This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Showami. Showami is the fastest, easiest, and most reliable way to get buyers into homes without you being the one to show it. Now, we've all had situations where clients wanted to see properties at the most inconvenient time or in a location that was difficult for us to show. Now, there's an easy way to find another licensed agent who will show the home on your behalf for a small fee. You keep the client, you keep the commission, you keep your commitments. Now, Showami is truly the Uber for real. Realtors, connecting busy realtors with local agents who have time to show your clients the properties they want without taking any part of your commission. And if you'd like to be one of Showami's featured agents that realtors can hire to have you help with their showings, you can sign up on their website at no cost. So whether you're an agent who wants some help with showings or you're an agent that wants to make some money helping doing showings, Showami is the app to use. Install Showami on Apple or Android devices or simply visit their website at showami.com. That's S-H-O-W-A-M-I.com. S-H-O-W-A-M-I.com to learn more. And now on to our episode. Largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today is our monthly coaching moments with Ryan DeApril series. Now, if you're not familiar with Ryan, or if you're just new to the show, Ryan comes on every month to give our listeners and our viewers a coaching moment and a coaching session. So let me tell you about Ryan. Ryan DeApril is a progressive thought leader focused on providing for his agents and staff at DeApril Properties. His strengths are his motivational skills, his coaching style, and his dedication to training. He has 14 offices throughout Chicagoland, and he also has offices in Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, and Florida with hundreds and hundreds of top producers. DeApril Properties is really a coaching company with eight strategic coaches who work week in and week out with every agent individually focused on business planning, coaching, and accountability. And if you'd like to take your career to the next level, or if you're just not getting the attention you need from your current firm, check out DeApril Properties. Visit DeAprilProperties.com. And welcome once again, Ryan. Hey, DJ. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being with you again. Pleasure being with you. We should also mention that you have uh, other companies. So we, we aren't necessarily just talking to real estate agents. You also uh, have a lending institution, Midwest Lending. Um, so I know this podcast gets uh, gets listened to by by some of your loan officers. So if there are any uh, loan officers listening, shout out here because again, a lot of what you talk about is really applicable against or, or across all sorts of sales, uh, you know, jobs. It is. I, I've, I've I've spoken to many companies on, and helped them sell hedge funds. I've actually in financial planning institutions. I've actually been a guest to speak uh, to their sales force. Um, yes, I, I, we have a mortgage company. I have an insurance company. And the, the principles and philosophies that we teach are, are the same across the board. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's, that's it, 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 it's the more things change, the more they stay the same is what I tell everybody. And uh, the principles are really uh, are identical, quite honestly. It's, it's a process. I think it's more of a system than it is an art. There's a little bit of art in it. Um, but it's it's really being aware of what your craft is and what it is that you're doing and then improving on it day in and day out. I also think too, I think what you said is, is really important. So we're talking about process and 
I, I like to call them fundamentals because it's always, it seems to be that there is no magic bullet to becoming successful in this industry, uh, or at least if there is, I haven't found it, but the fundamentals or the processes are great. And you, you mentioned that there's a little bit of art to it. What, what I found so, so exciting about figuring out somebody's processes, at what, what is going to be successful for them is that frees up a lot of their time to where they now can focus on the art artsy sort of side of it, that putting their personality in because their systems and processes are so in place that it allows them to have more time to focus on sort of the personality side of it. Yeah. And I, and I think what you need to do is you need to process and systematize how you interact with your network. And I, yeah. and I tell everybody is like, I'll draw on a whiteboard network and drive and I'll write them right next to each other. And I'll ask people, what can I coach to? And, um, a lot of people think it's drive. I'm like, I could coach you to a network and I could show you how to grow a network, but I can't coach drive. And that's, <clears throat> that's the number one thing for anybody who's listening, whether you're a lender, you're an insurance agent, you're a real estate agent. Um, I, I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe success is easy. Uh, 80% of it is just showing up. That's a cliche for a reason because it's true. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you can't coach drive. You can't coach, coach hunger. But if you've got the drive, you got the hunger, uh, then well, all you got to do is follow a system. And every year that goes by, it compounds and it gets easier and easier. It does because you you have a, a bigger supply of previous clients in the wake of your business that are satisfied yep. and happy and know, like, and trust you and then refer business. And I, uh, to all of our listeners, if, if you're new to this, this uh, series that we do monthly with Ryan, he's a big believer in having systems around communication. Um, so making sure that your clients are getting touched every single you know month in, in different ways. Um, and one of the ways, sometimes I know, you know, we get feedback from uh, from listeners who say, hey, I, and not necessarily because of what you've said, but they say, hey, how do I stay in touch with, with my sphere of influence? What are some of the things um, I should be doing? And you've touched on those. One thing I, we might not have touched on yet is, and I learned this back when I was a financial advisor, uh, they would say, read what your clients are reading. And so I saw an article today on CNN that uh, you know, whatever people's feelings about CNN are, I, I, I just happened to be on the CNN website and I saw this article about. Uh, Isn't that funny possible... that you have to say that in today's age? You, you have to say that. <laughs> yep, I get you. You have to say that. And, and I don't have any particular, it just happened to be the I site gotcha. I was on. Yep, yep. But it, it was about the possibility of a housing crisis or a housing bubble that possibly could be bursting. Um, and, and there's different, in this article, they said, hey, there, there's no consensus on this. And lots of people say everything's fine. But as interest rates maybe go, you know, up to now 4%, or, or rather lending rates go up to maybe 4% or so, uh, there may be in a price uh, correction. Anyway, these are the kind of headlines that I don't know, they got my attention and they probably get your client's attention. And so I see it as an opportunity to reach out and do one of your touches and say, hey, you might be seeing some news about this, but I'm curious on, on your thoughts about how to use, you know, and I don't want to call it a, a negative uh, sort of article because I, I, I was I, the intention of it wasn't to be negative, but, but that's going to scare a lot of people. And I'm just curious on how you might take that information and, and reassure clients or sort of give them an action. Sure. Yeah, well, so um, I would tell my clients and I'd tell, uh, you know, agents and loan officers, anybody in the back, of course, there's a market correction coming. There always has been, there always will be, it's, it's cyclical. And so, and I would say that directly to a client. And then I'd, I'd get to what the most important thing, again, the reason why, right, all these quote unquote disruptors to our industry who've been around since 
the early 2000s that again you've heard me say this on a show before they've lost quarters of you know hundreds of millions of dollars year in and year out working for free trying to take us out of the marketplace okay and have yet to be unsuccessful at it all right is because of the emotional intelligence aspect of our business and what we need and if you do not know why your buyer or your seller are buying or selling then you're irrelevant and and what i mean by that is if a buyer said to me well ryan a market correction is going to come do you think that's true and i'd say of course a market correction is going to come but why are you buying this house let's have that conversation Sure. Are you buying this house because it's a part of your stock portfolio? Because I believe, you know, just like Kawasaki, is it Kawasaki, Robert Kawasaki, Kiyosaki? Yeah. Uh, your Kiyosaki. home, Kiyosaki, and I apologize if he ever hears this and, and, and I apologize. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an idiot. Um, but, you know, your home is not an asset. It's a liability. No, I, I could not agree more. And I know there would be, there's a lot of pushback, but I always love this idea of ass, assets shouldn't lose money on a regular basis, which of course, and meaning not lose money, but, but cost, you know, be, be costly on a monthly basis, upkeep, et cetera. And it doesn't generate income either. It's only, an no, asset. it's My, a liability. It's an asset. The day you sell it, that's about it. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's an asset the day somebody else starts paying for it. That's, that's mm -hmm. when it's an asset and you continue to own it. And sure. so my point is, is look, my wife and I have a home in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and we bought it. 17 years ago. Okay. I mean, we were 28, 29 year old kids with a, a, a newborn and we bought the lake home. And the reason why is because we wanted our children to have that lake life experience. Yeah. Now, up until recently, until COVID, quite honestly, um, let's say I paid $500,000 for that house, which is what I paid for the house. <laughs> so I paid $500,000 for the home. Okay. And up until two years ago, you know what that home was worth? I know I don't $500,000. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, the two years ago, you know, after 15 years of ownership, um, it was worth $500,000. I think I put a hundred thousand dollars down on it. And over 15 years, I paid off a hundred grand, but I probably paid another $150,000 in interest. That's not a good investment. Right. But I would never, I would not do it any other way ever again. Because someday I'm not going to be on this planet. Someday my children will be adults. Actually, my oldest just turned an adult, but she's still my baby. She's 18 years old. And I bought the summer home for the quality of life. You, if you were to talk to me back then at 28 years old, you would have, and you were my real estate agent, which I was back then, you would have known what my why is. And my why is, well, I don't care what the market does. Here's right. where today is. I want in on the home and I plan on living here for the next 15 years. And yeah, so- you, it, it, you really treat it like almost like a primary residence, even though it isn't your primary residence. It's just, hey, this is this is where yeah. we live when we're not at home. Hey, the same story could go for my home in Western Springs. Okay, I I, I can tell you, I'm probably you know, you know, uh, you know, I live you, you live in the homes where you know that I wouldn't call them McMansions, but these beautiful homes come up. You know, every three months there's a brand new you know home being built, a gorgeous in my neighborhood you know, million, multi-million dollar home being built. And, and my home's value, you know, it's not like when my mom and dad bought in 75 for a hundred grand and they sold in uh, 2010 for $500,000. I 
think those days are gone just because of how wealthy our society is and how fashion and trends change so much. Um, And so the home that I purchased in 2010 in Western Springs. Okay. um, And then the amount of money I've put into that home, could I get the money out of it? No. But does that mean I would do it different? No. You know, we're dealing in residential real estate. I had a wife and three kids and, you know, People are born and people die. People get married and people get divorced. People relocate. And for our listeners here, when this market correction comes and it's going to come, it might be five years from now. I don't know when it's going to come, but it's going to come. The transactions are not going to stop. You know, I cut my teeth my third year in the business of 2008. Right? It, was, it was the Great Recession. And 2008 to 2011, I sound like a broken record, but I crushed it during those years. I absolutely crushed it. Uh, and we had the great recession going on. So be apprised, know what's going on, read what your customers are reading. But again, and our industry, and I truly believe that a loan officer needs to be able to do this just as much as a real estate agent, because the, the same is true for a loan officers. So much emotional uh, intelligence and balance you have to work with your, with your buyers on this. You got to know why they're doing what they're doing and then be able to relate them and then bring them back to that why. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, I, that that's the same thing I did. So <clears throat> I started reading this article and I was like, oh my gosh, a course correction, I just bought a home. And then I went, well, what do I care? You know, I'm probably right. not going to be there in, in three or four years. I don't have any control over this anyway. Plus it's not an investment. It's where I live and I'm right. going to have to live somewhere else after that. And it's, I just, I just, um, but, but again, I had to talk myself down and you now have an opportunity to reach out to your clients and say, Hey, I just want to, you know, you might be seeing some, some stories about this and I want to, you know, sort of make sure that you're how, you know, talk, check with how you're feeling about where you're living and you know and and just it's an opportunity to connect absolutely 100 percent. so ryan some thoughts on because you coach agents you coach top producers you coach new agents you know gosh you you guys have such an impressive uh you know set of agents at d'april properties um here in the chicagoland and, and other states um what are you telling agents to do for the last two months here of the year yeah well actually it's a great segue because um we have a crm that we use. It's proprietary that we built. Um, and our CRM actually shows you what your business is going to look like next year. And it times it out. So for individuals right now, as we're coming into November, we have 60 days left of the year. I, I do say that the year is over, but if you click on your prospects and you go to the timing that we have, which ours is cool, closing next year, cold, not certainly going to hire me warm closing this calendar year. You look at cool, you know, you, I, I see agents with 5 million, 10 million, $20 million in leads from primarily their network or their network referring them. Okay. Uh, I had a coach moment with another agent regarding uh, online leads. I'm going to talk about that for a second, but this is the time and, and you need to have the CRM. You need to be tracking this information. And most real estate agents I feel fail at this because they don't spend time working on their business and looking at this data. But anybody that we're working with, with our CRM, they're looking at that bank account of business for next year. And they are looking at their data last contact. What was the touch? What are they doing? And the biggest thing that I'm always working is grabbing somebody by the collar and be like, hey, get out of your active clients tab. Get out of your under contract clients tab. 
Look to your left where it says prospects. Look at this bank of $14 million of business that you think you're going to have next year. And look at that. You haven't talked to these three people since July, these four since March. Like you are going to be leaving a lot of money on the table right now if you're not getting prepared right now for the spring market. And you already know those individuals, who they are, right? You already, you've already identified them in your CRM. Now you need to be making the frequent reach out, touch bait, touching up with them, keeping it personal, making it about them, understanding their why. Um, and if you don't, you'll be replaced. They might just walk into an open house and find something or their neighbor down the street happens to be a real estate agent that shows them around. That's where most people lose a lot of money in this business. Yeah. And these touches can be, can be phone calls. They could be text messages. They could be emails. Uh, they could be replying to or commenting on someone's social media post. You know, um, I think, yeah, exactly. I think direct messaging on social media. I try to tell people don't think of commenting on their social media as a uh, a touch. Um, I, my birthday was the other day. I was sick as a dog uh, under the covers. And, <clears throat> and, I, and I had it for like three, four days in a row. But uh, I think I had like 400 happy birthdays. I didn't even see one of them. Right. right? I, I try. I, I, could, I couldn't keep up. And plus, I had the aches and the chills. I mean, it's, it was the worst. Um, I think I got that rhino virus that everybody was getting. I got tested for everything, but it was a virus. Regardless, um, you know, a direct message is equivalent to a text message or a phone call. So your, your, your follow, your reach out uh, should be a phone call, a text message, or a um, or a, a direct message via, you know, whatever it is, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Facebook, however, whatever social media channel that your, your client, your network uses, right? You have to use them all and adapt to it and direct message and don't fall in the trap of, uh, you know, um, writing on their wall. Uh, oh, so cute. You know, the dog that you just posted, right? Writing that on the wall. That's not going to, you got to actually, you got to connect with them and try to create a dialogue. Yeah. And, and I, I've always thought LinkedIn gets really underutilized for this because just today for one, one of the little companies I, I, I have an ownership interest in, I guess it was my work anniversary, which I had no idea. And I started getting just a handful of uh, happy work anniversary. And I'm like, I didn't even know it was my work anniversary. And those didn't really matter to me. But I thought, boy, if I really want, if I was a salesperson and I wanted my business for whatever, I would figure out a way to direct message me or to find me. I mean, I'm not easy. I'm not hard to find. Send me a phone, you know, send me a text, shoot me and say, hey man, just saw that you, you know, and work anniversaries, you know, maybe that's not such a big deal. But but you could say when somebody starts a new position, when they get promoted, I just saw one of my friends at Zillow just got promoted and I shot her a quick test match. She's like, hey, saw you got promoted. That's amazing. Um, and she was like, wow, thanks. You're the only person that texted me yeah. about it other than her coworkers. So, right. um, you know, and it meant a lot to her and we're just buddies, but- I thought, you know, that's a, that's a great opportunity. LinkedIn actually tells you when people have these major work milestones. I was having a conversation with a, a broker owner uh, the other day uh, down in Florida and uh, they went virtual, um, probably 30, 40 agents. And he, he made a great comment to me. He said, um, and, and they're seeing a decline in sales, right? And he said to me, you know, <clears throat> you're productive until you're not. Right. And I was like, Wow. That, that just says a lot. And what he was saying is they went virtual, right? It was working until it doesn't work. And now they're going the other way. And I tell every person that works at our organization um, that, you know, we have these offices and we're opening up more offices. 
because you got to get out of your house. Yeah. You, you got to, you got to work on your business. You know, I started my career as a real estate agent in 2004, you know, five, late 2004, 2005. And I had an office I went to <clears throat> 2021, right? Uh, how many every years, years later is 16 years later. I still go to the office every single day. Me and too. I'm telling you, real estate agents, like you guys get the hell out of your basement. This virtual stuff, I don't think it's healthy. I understand there's an element of it where you can do it, uh, but you need to run your business. You, you, you don't get paid in real estate. You don't, you don't come to a real estate brokerage. You don't get a salary. You don't have a manager. You are starting your own business. Um, and the biggest thing I can tell you now in, the, in November and December, what's coming in for next year, get into the office when there's nothing to do get into the office. Get into your CRM. We have it's called the dashboard. Get into your dashboard. Work on it minimum three days a week, just like any other business owner who wants to keep their doors open does. And you know, if you were to drive by a storefront of a small business and see that the lights were out and the door was locked four days out of the out of the week, right? You'd say, "So that guy's going to go out of business. They're not right. even open for business." Yet real estate agents stay home. They get in their habits. They work from home. And you know damn well what's happening. They're they're doing the dry cleaning. They're talking about their active deals, right? But they're not working on their business. Um, and you know that's going to catch up to you. And you're productive until you're not. And that's where the peaks and the valleys of this business occur. And people got to pull themselves out of the valley. And you don't need to if you could stay consistent and get into your office three, four days a week and work on your business one to two hours a day. I've tried many times over the last, well, I would say 15 years to work from home. I've tried. I want to be able to do that because, boy, it just seems so great. It seems so efficient. I can't do it. And and maybe there's that rare person that somehow can, but I don't know how anyone's more more effective and productive at, at home. So, you know, even I even if I... Even if I worked at a company like EXP where there aren't physical offices, and you know, assuming I could afford it, I'd rent uh, an go office. rent an office somewhere. You'd go to you Regis or yeah, a place like yeah, that. you do. You have to, you know, and um, and just ask yourself: Is it working? And if it's working, great. And is it not working? If it's not working, are you working from home? Your kitchen table, your phone, in your basement. Go to a place that's going to get you into another mindset. That's going to have you focus on working on your business. And it's nice to be in an organization where your next other top producers, I tell all my agents, yeah, you know, when I go to office, office, I see all the usual suspects and it's the top selling real estate agents there all the time. Hey, uh, DJ, don't you have a five o'clock hard stop? I do. I, I'm going to, I wanted to end with just one more thought and um, okay. yes. So th- thanks for reminding me of my, of my obligations uh, sure. because I, I had forgotten we were, I was having so much fun with this call and um <laughs> What I was going to to say is, is and to get your thoughts on, is you were talking about those producers you have who are going into their dashboard in your CRM and, and sort mm-hmm. of seeing the most important maybe part of that outside of your active clients, outside of the customer service stuff you have to do day in, day out to close deals, but looking at your contact list, your sphere of influence and saying, maybe the most important metric there is when's the last time, you know, last touch, uh, last, last communication, and maybe just everyone listening, 
make a pact that you will have no people in that database that doesn't hear from you every single month in some capacity in 2022 and just see what happens by the end of 2022. I would be shocked if you don't get more referrals or more of those people in your database use you or both. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm just using once a month as, as, as just a, no, it's once a month. That's the way to do it. And I'll tell you one thing I've never, ever seen anybody do it and it not work for them, but I've seen people not do it and they struggle. And I'm like, why do you make this complicated? Why, why, why is this complicated? And, and when I'm ever in a room of people, right. Say it's 20, 20 people, right. Coaching. I'll say 20% of you, which comes to four, only four of you are going to do what I'm telling you to do. Six of you are going to get entertainment. What entertainment is education with no action equals yeah. entertainment. So I'll be your clown for two hours, but there's right. four of you here. Who's going to hear what I'm telling you. You're going to lock on it. And you're the, these are the ones that are going to make 150, 300, $450,000 a year. And it's, it's like a Greek tragedy, but it's the 80, 20 rule. And you can't get, you can't get away from it. So I try to bring everybody aware of like, look at who's going to be the 20% that are going to walk out of this room and do what you just said for the, rest of the year for the year 2022 sadly in that group of 20 there'll be four and those are your top of the top and what those four did was not hard it was not hard but you can't draw you can't coach drive you can't coach drive you could teach and show discipline over time and if somebody's willing to do that and they get the right activities they'll become disciplined and then this just becomes autopilot for them yeah, you, boy, it, it's so well said. And I, I will leave with one other idea that this, I'm stealing this from my our guest, Ryan, but it is if you are struggling with drive, if that's something you probably, and, and Ryan, I think would agree with this, is you probably haven't, or maybe you've, you haven't well-defined, or maybe you did well-define this and forgot it, but you probably haven't well-defined your why. Like Ryan has a very specific why for all of his different businesses, and they involve his family and the feelings he's going to have with interacting with them and being able to have freedom to do certain things based on the success of his businesses. And he, he, he knows his why. Um, he's, you've talked about it many, many times here on the show. Um, you know, if you need to write it on a post-it and put it on your mirror, uh, it sounds silly, but remind yourself of your why. That will help, I think, give you a little bit more strength when you have those mornings where you're like, I just don't want to do anything. Yeah, and, and ask yourself, how, 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 how many hours of the day was I, was I unconscious? I mean, literally, was I just yeah. not conscious of my actions, my behaviors? I mean, if you could be conscious and you could take conscious act, action, deliberate practice, uh, like, um, oh God, I forget her name. Um, Angela Duckworth said deliberate yeah. practice. If you could have deliberate practice one to two hours a day, dude, I mean, that that's just, just a, a compound for you. And again, it's easy, but it's a choice. And most people, unfortunately, make horseshit choices, just terrible, yeah. terrible choices with their time, but success in no, no doubt success is a choice. You either choose to have it or you choose not to through your habits. Awesome. Well, this is a great place to wrap up this episode. We will see Ryan uh, on next month's episode of our coaching moments. We're so grateful to Ryan. He is the one of, the, he's probably the busiest person I know, and he takes time out of his incredibly busy schedule every month to be on our show. So please, if you live in any of these states, Illinois, Wisconsin, Il uh, in Indiana, Michigan, uh, Florida, and you are like, you know, I am not getting great coaching and support for my existing firm, or you just want to see what else is out there. 
check out D'April Properties. Go to dapralproperties.com. They just have hundreds of top producers. They're amazing. Ryan coaches as well and, and the coaches he hires. I've seen, I've visited his, his headquarters. It's just beyond impressive. So definitely check out dapralproperties.com. Also, also, if you're a loan officer and looking for, see what other uh, firms are out there, check, check them out. Uh, Midwest Lending is the name of the loan, uh, uh, the lending institution. So um, everyone go out there, visit dapralproperties.com. And on behalf of the audience, I want to thank Ryan for his time today. He always brings great content to us. And on behalf of Ryan and myself, we want to thank the, uh, the the audience and our listeners and viewers for continuing to support our show. I think we're at about 310 episodes. Um, we have more listeners now than we ever did. That's thanks to you guys telling a friend about the show. Please send this coaching moment episode to one other, either loan officer that could use a little motivation boost or strategy boost or another realtor that you know that could benefit from hearing from Ryan and send them a link to our website. So you can send them right over to keepingitrealpod.com. All of our episodes are there. Uh, and also thanks to our sponsor, Follow-Up Boss, uh, for continuing to support our show. So Ryan, thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, CJ.